0: Welcome to episode 53, My Bloody Podcast, just like the jingle told you. We hope you're listening still to us after 53 weeks. We are so glad and happy and scared to be here. My Bloody Podcast, uh, yeah, on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. This is our 53rd episode. We have a great show for you today. Uh, We will be doing the 1980 film Prom Night... Because it is prom season, it's the end of school, it's kind of still prom season, and what better way to talk about Jamie Lee Curtis yet again in a high school movie horror film called Prom Night. Can't wait! Uh, I'm Brian Kluger with BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com, and I am joined by my very disturbing, balls-out, bloody prom date, Preston Barta! Hello! Yes, yes. Did you get my my uh, uh, my mum and corsage for prom? Oh
1: yes, just <laughs> white flower covered in blood. I love it, love it. Uh, Fifty three. Or episodes. maybe you took it off with one of the victims in Carrie.
0: Yeah, that's true. I did take it off several victims and put them all together to make one bloody mum. Uh, you doing all right this week? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Busy as usual,
1: but, uh, surviving and, uh, ready to put on my dancing shoes for today.
0: Good. Today's movie. Yeah, today's movie will be super fun and ridiculous all over the place. Uh, before we get into our bloody questions and, uh, our bloody news segment and our bloody recommendations, uh, Preston and I are... We'll be seeing tonight the new horror comedy film by Jim Jarmusch, uh, The Dead Don't Die, which stars an incredible cast, including Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Chloe Sevigny, Tom Waits, and... Uh, just Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop, yeah. Just There's so many people in this. So we can't wait to talk to you about this in a couple weeks, because I don't think it releases for that long, but we're seeing it pretty early. And I do believe we might have a special guest on when we do that show... Uh James Cole Clay, who you love to smell and see and talk to, James Cole Clay, we miss you, but uh yeah, the dead don 't die. I think this is one of those films that I've just been really looking forward to for the last couple months, and uh it's finally here, and we get to see it today and Preston and I will be holding hand in hand foot by foot with our corsages on today at the theater, right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, do you ever think that people listening are just like what is this guy's deal with smelling and like touching each other's body parts? And
0: I I like all the five senses. <laughs> I mean, I talk about maybe my sixth sense, aha, or seventh sense, really. Yeah. Uh, but I like the senses. I like to smell and feel and do all that type of stuff. Who doesn't? I mean, that's what they're there for, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Good. But but yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't yeah, I can't wait. Can't I can't wait
0: either. So, um, so let's talk let's start let's start with our bloody news. Let's talk about uh Cinepocalypse that is coming up very very soon. Cinepocalypse is a super cool um, super cool film festival that will be held in Chicago uh, coming up very shortly uh are you are so i i have i have my uh chicago writer her name is stacy she is attending this i will be covering remotely and Cinepocalypse, apocalypse if you're unfamiliar or if you're in the chicago area you should definitely check them out uh they are kind of like a heavy metal music horror film festival and they have an incredible lineup uh this year and a little bit of an update from that uh Closing night, they are showing a very rare 35 millimeter screening of the movie Airheads with Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi and David Arquette and everyone else. And uh, along with How Redneck Saved Hollywood, An Evening with Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, and of course, they're going to be showing the... R-rated cut or the X-rated cut of Tammy in the T-Rex which was a <laughs> crazy movie with a very young Denise Richard who has a very sexual relationship with a T-Rex and they kind of cut it down to a family film but now they're showing the actual X-rated cut of this movie which is going to be so good so I'm very excited about this Have you? do you know about this uh, festival? Yeah I've heard
1: about it before um but it it, i've never covered it in any capacity before but uh yeah looking at the lineup that's pretty cool that they're doing all that and i've heard good things about the movie the lodge which i think we talked about uh previously with the trailer uh villains which uh james cole clay saw that south by southwest and liked um so yeah it seems like they got some good uh stuff or leftovers from other film festivals from the midnight section um so yeah it should be a good time if you're in the chicago area
0: yeah so it, and like i want to head to this festival because it just seems like super cool to me <laughs> uh, hot
1: dog the movie
0: yes yes uh also what's premiering there is Verotica, which is glenn danzig yes that glenn danzig from yeah. the danzig band his new horror anthology film uh which is called of course Verotica, and he will be there and then you could probably expect nudity and horror and all sorts of crazy stuff um and then in addition to that, they're going to be showing a 70-millimeter screen of the original Total Recall, and Michael Ironside, the villain in that film, will be there. I am super excited about that. And then there's going to be a huge Guar reunion, and a couple of their old-school crazy films will be shown. Oh, my goodness. And then uh I guess in the the – Movie theater lobby and the bar they're doing. I guess they reconverted it to be a child's play themed, which is super cool. And then they're honoring jo- uh, director Joel Schumacher, who of course did The Lost Boys and Falling Down and Flatliners. Batman, um, yeah, uh, bat. Well, not Batman. Batman and Robin. Batman, and Batman Forever, Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah, correct. Uh, so they're doing that. So it's like it sounds cool, and there's, there's like some some horror. Horror animated films And it just looks like pretty It looks good So uh, we will have defi- definite coverage for you And hopefully I can Slide into Preston's DMs uh, With some uh, <laughs> With some Screening room stuff So he can check out a film or two as well So uh, Here's to that Apocalypse. Go to Apocalypse. Uh, genrefest.coms to get your festival badges or individual tickets. And, uh, check that out, right? Yeah. When is it happening? June? Uh, the, uh, the film festival itself will be happening June 13th through June 20th uh strictly at uh the Chicago Music Box Theater. So it's kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of Fantastic Fest. It's kind of in a cool city and it's all at one theater and there's a bar that's going to be done up like child's play. Like it's they it seems like they're doing something cool here. So, uh and it I think this is uh I don't think they've been doing this very long So hopefully that keeps going Because they're getting a lot of talent and a lot of cool films So Apocalypse, If you're in the Chicago area Check it out June 13th to June 20th Again that is com. You can get your festival badges Or individual tickets for movies If they're still available So check it out Cool Alright moving on So Uh A couple years ago, we got a shark movie, one of many shark movies, called 47 Meters Down, and now uh, there is a sequel to that film called 47 Meters Down Uncaged, and I mean, I thought... Not with Nick Cage. Not with Nick Cage, which would have been unbelievably great. Uh, So, I thought we said all we needed to say with the first film, but we didn't, and we have the sequel, which... Uh, Has a couple people that you would probably uh, uh, Recognize John Corbett from From the uh, The Greek movie My big fat Greek wedding is in it for a second And then there's just a bunch of little real quick flashes Of people underground with a shark Actually it looks like There's like an underground Or underwater cave thing and there's sharks in there, so it kind of looks like maybe, oh, it's the descent, but with sharks underwater, yeah. so perhaps that's the plan. yeah,
1: well, it seems like they're they're doing a little bit more than just making it you know another meter deeper, and then that's all it is. at least there's like mention in the film when they get to the underwater cave in or at least in the trailer. Uh, one of the characters mentions uh, that they did human sacrifices there because there's like human remains down there, bones and uh, from like Mayan times, I think they mentioned Mayan. Yeah. So that makes it pretty interesting to just imagining like what I guess Mayan culture would do to like maybe people who were bad and are just like, put them in the wonder Water caves and let the sharks feast on the flesh. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm pretty curious to know what all that's about, but uh given the track record with the con- these kind of films, it seems like they they have like the coolest concept, but yet they like rush over or rush through the most interesting information in like, I don't know, 5 minutes or something like that, and then it just ends up becoming like your typical uh, kind of like horror film in this case, a, a shark film. So, um, but I Jaws is, you know, I've mentioned this thousands of times that Jaws is my favorite horror film of all time because it scares the shit out of me. That I love shark movies in general. Um, um, so uh, I'll see it, I'll I'll check it out, and I'll give it a give it a, a old college try and see if it uh, pans out for them.
0: There you go, yeah. I, I mean, I, I enjoy shark movies, you know, I saw yeah. The Meg and 47 yeah. Meters Down, all of them, you know, I'm going to see... Shallow, the Shallow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh God, yeah. The Shallows, what a terrible piece of shit that <laughs> was. Um,
1: Well, it looks like the shark effects are a little bit better.
0: Yes, point. there is, and there's like the end of the trailer shows like somebody with their head like, she's like yeah, upside to... down underwater,
1: yeah. it's, like fish About to be somebody who's never going to be the head of a corporation.
0: Oh, please, 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 Samuel Jackson be in this movie um, So, yeah, 47 meters down, uncaged, check out the trailer We'll update you as time goes on uh, Let's jump around here let's, uh, let's talk about another horror film festival called Fantasia Fantasia, I would say, is probably the biggest genre horror film festival in the world um, It's I think it's quite bigger than Fantastic Fest it takes place in Montreal, Quebec. I love fishing in Quebec. Do you like fishing in Quebec? Yeah, I don't know. I think I lost Preston. My letter Kenny references. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, Fantasia International Film Festival. It's the 23rd uh, year to do this, and it will be happening um from July 11th through August 1st which is before Fantastic Fest and there will be over 130 feature films uh happening and this this first wave of feature films looks insanely good what about you man what do you think
1: yeah um the 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 headliners I haven't like thoroughly looked through it um, just because it's a festival that's uh, that I've always, you know, hear about because uh, I have a good friend, uh, Matt Donato, who goes there because he lives pretty close, and uh, he has nothing but great things to say about it. And I know James Cole Clay has expressed interest in going to uh, that festival, and he has, you know, doesn't have a kid and he can go to stuff like the Toronto International Film Festival and all these other places that uh, in. So I'm tied down, but uh I can experience it from uh other people and I guess you can cover some stuff remotely through their screening room, but um yeah, uh there's uh that movie with uh Liam Liam Hemsworth in it that they're uh I guess is like the main feature that they're focusing on if I'm remembering it correctly. I can't remember what the title was.
0: It's called uh it's called Killer Man. That's right. Killer yes. Man with Thor's brother <laughs> it's supposed to be like a crime thriller about dirty cops and uh, mob guys, and it uh, looks like it's going to be super crazy violent, uh, which I – yes, give give me uh, – show me a Liam Hemsworth that's crazy violent. I'm in.
1: Yeah, like a Killer Joe movie.
0: Right. And then there's there's a – there's another film called that stars Richard Dreyfuss out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> called I think Astronaut, mm. and I don't know much about this movie really. Yeah, we
1: hope that it's not a sequel to Always, and it you know converts the the airplane into a a spaceship.
0: Yeah, it, like <laughs> so I well I think it like it looks like Richard Dreyfuss plays a guy who. Is like trying to heal from a health scare or something like that And he is trying to win a competition for a ticket to space So, uh, yeah, sounds like fun Uh, So maybe he'll narrate it And then, what else is in here? Oh my god, they're doing... Oh, they're doing an anniversary screen of Phantom they're of the doing, Paradise? They're uh, doing Critters. Oh, yes. Critters I, so the So which Critters thing is this? This one is
1: the, is, uh, the, the movie, not the television series. Okay. So that one's already in the books through Shudder. Uh, so this will be the the first feature-length Critters film in 27 years. Um, so it's uh, directed by Bobby Miller. He did the movie The Cleanse. So he has a lot of experience uh, in the puppet department, in uh, creature design, so he's a he's a good pick. And if you've seen, the, I believe the trailer's out, um, so you can get a feel for that, and it, it looks fun. So, um, and it's written by the guy who did Happy Happy Death Day, so uh, there's there's some promise there that it could be uh, a good uh, continuation to the franchise.
0: Cool, cool. And it also looks like they have hired a. Uh, Montreal's OVMF orchestra to play a concert, uh, of studio, uh, Ghibli films. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Ghibli. Ghibli. Studio Ghibli films. So that would be super cool. And I know our friend Mark Chaffardini would be all over that, uh, because he's big into the Studio Ghibli movies and soundtracks. Uh, there's a ton of stuff coming on, uh, on this Fantasia thing and I really want to go hopefully next year uh, might have to make it up to Canada for five days with a few friends and just check this out because I really want to do that and then compare it to Fantastic Fest what do you think? Yeah, go for it. There you go. Uh,
1: I, I will probably realistically speaking as much as I would just love to say that I could do it I, I could just totally see myself being like, oh, well, I'll just be at Fantastic Fest again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. If, if James Cole Clay is listening, we'll we will, uh, try to get Preston there. Uh, so let's move on. That's Fantasia Films. Look Fantasia Film Festival, F- International Film Festival up and get your tickets and badges there. So moving on. And of course, this is our weekly segment of Child's Play, your friend to the end, Heidi Ho. There is yet another bit of news, actually, a cool behind the scenes. Uh, meet the cast cast. sort of thing along with a ton of new footage. And so here you kind of get your standard electronic press kit where you see the cast and crew discussing their characters and working on the film. And it looks like the director of this film was from the Swedish army who kind of brought that uh, intenseness to the set. (laughs) And it seems like people (laughs) really liked it. (laughs) Uh, So... The, the new the new footage kind of shows the same characters from the original film But played by different actors They have the same names And yeah, I, they don't show much of Chucky Which yeah. I'm, I'm glad they haven't But I'm also worried about it And I don't know I mean, I, I'm so torn on this movie I want to like it so much But then I see things uh, I don't know, what do you think, man?
1: Um, I mean, it, it yeah, like something w- like last week, like an information w- will come out and then I'll be like, uh, the yeah, points are going down and then something new will come out and I'll be like, okay, well, I- I- I'm feeling more optimistic. Um, so, uh, yeah, this, uh, meet the cast video, which is only like two minutes long or something like that. And it just basically just has, yeah, a sit down interviews with, uh, Aubrey Plaza and Brian Henry treat uh, I think that's his name. Um, and the kid that's that, that's playing Andy. Um, so yeah, you don't see anything with like uh, Mark Hamill or anything like that. Just like your typical or at least typical to the information that we've been getting or the materials that we've been getting for, from child's play is just concludes with a Chucky laugh and Mark Hamill saying some line, but what's uh, unique about this uh, Meet the Cast video um, is that we get a little more get more insight into uh, how Andy is. Um, I believe he has a hearing aid, and so it's providing like a little more reason for like why he may not have a lot of friends and uh, has a has a need for this doll. So it's like provide like like what you would want from a remake. They're kind of like retconning or at least filling in information uh, that we weren't giving with the, weren't given with the original and trying to make it, it more, I guess, progressive and have ideas that are provide some information there that we can latch on to when we watch it and have more compassion for the characters uh, versus it just being, a, you know, like a, a dead fest kind of movie like people just dying and they just exist to die um so yeah we we see more with andy and so i appreciated that um they didn't do a lot of focus into like the technology aspect so it seems like that they're trying to put a lot of focus into the characters which is a good thing um So that, that has me believe in kind of like what I was wanting, uh, when I first heard that this franchise was being made was that they put a lot of focus into the characters and that will make it, uh, a more rewarding experience and actually cause us to be scared of it because we know what we've seen enough Chucky movies, we know what he's capable of and you want it to feel new instead of just being like, you know, falling in the same, uh, little buddy, uh, footsteps. So, um. Yeah, we'll just, like we say every week, when we have some new news to report, uh, we're we're just going to go see it and see how it turns out. But um, we still have a little bit, like a month to go, I believe. And so uh, I'm sure we'll have something more to report next week and we'll sound just the same.
0: <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Moving on to another bit of news. Hannibal TV show fans, uh, Mads Mickelson fans. The uh, Brian Fuller, who did that show, you know, this show was canceled like over four years ago, which was unfortunate. But uh, Brian Fuller, the show creator, was answering some fan questions online, and somebody asked about it, and. Brian Fuller had a pretty interesting response saying that no one has given up on this show. He wants to do it. The producers want to do it. All the actors really want to do it. They're just, he literally said, we just need someone to bite. It's like, there has to be more of this story, you know, because like, how has somebody not picked this show up? Because, you know, for being on a primetime network, this, I watched it. It was, super gory and graphic you know albeit there was not any cursing or sex stuff but the gore sh- shockingly great for prime time uh network and i just can't believe somebody has not picked this up like i feel like stars or netflix hulu amazon prime shutter even uh, I can't believe nobody's picked this up yet because it's a hell of a cast. They're telling a hell of a story. Oh, so it seems like everybody wants to do it, and perhaps within the next three years this might happen. But I don't know. What do you think?
1: Yeah, like if the movie or the, the series had been canceled like this year or last, it probably would have been picked up pretty immediately. That, that seems to be like... Uh, the thing that happens now uh, with TV shows like Lucifer that was canceled on Fox and it got picked up pretty quickly by Netflix. And uh, what's cool about Lucifer is that I I watched that show with my wife um, is that I've noticed a big difference in the tone of the show from uh, its third season to its fourth season uh, because it's on Netflix and there's not as many uh, restrictions there. Um, so it, they're, they're, they're able to cuss, they can show asses and all kinds of stuff. Um, so, uh, I think it would be wonderful if Hannibal, uh, if, if enough talk, like even just this Brian Fuller revealing this information, like it could cause much of uh, enough craze to, cause it to get picked up and make meetings happen. Uh I mean we've seen that happen with Deadpool. It just uh it just takes people sharing the information out there, getting excited about it th- about the possibility that it, it could happen. So, uh I think it would be great for it to happen on something like Netflix because uh they're beginning to show me more and more that they're uh they're taking more chances and on the material and given more creative freedom to the p- the, the showrunners. So, um uh, yeah I would love for it to exist on something like that and it could get even darker it can add cuss words it, it can just just be totally reinvent itself and uh capture the interest of a new a new set of fans
0: Is that something While you also- want with the show
1: uh, I would be okay with it. I like the show and uh, love Mad Mickelson. And um, so, yeah, I, w- I would be totally on board for something like that to happen. I mean, it has been enough time for where I've, you know, kind of put it to rest. But uh, the fact that the possibility is still out there, I'm still like barely hanging on. Um, so I would I would be happy if it did happen, because I, I, w- I would think if if it did happen and there weren't any restrictions for Brian Fuller and everybody else involved and they can make something that they really want to make, then it could be good.
0: Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. I, you know, with the with the revamped TV show of Ash vs. Evil Dead, you know, that had been – that probably wasn't ever going to happen. But it stars was like we see something in this. There's a huge fan base. And they made it perfectly. Like they did everything – I mean, it was great. It was adored by fans. They went on for three seasons. And I think with something like this, is similar being, you know, not like 20 years in between like movies or storylines with the same characters, but something like it could be like almost seven years or eight years by the time they get it out. If somebody picked it up, I think that would. I, I really think bringing that back to the show where they left off would be unbelievably good, and like you said, a different tone and more roo- wiggle room to work with. Uh, I I don't know. I just, it just seems like with this star cast and uh, the storyline, and it did. I feel like it did very well on network TV. It could just thrive somewhere else, and I'm just shocked nobody has done anything about it. Yeah. So maybe it can happen now. There you go. So, uh, if you want, if you want more Hannibal TV show, write your st- local streaming service or cable provider and tell them that you want more of it. So uh, let's move on. Let's move on to another bit of cool horror news. Uh, Robert England, the the man behind the mask, so to speak, the Freddy Krueger guy who plays Freddy Krueger, Robert England. There is a new documentary About his life and his story Which is coming soon It's called Icon, the Robert England story And holy shit I really want to watch this Because I'm so fascinated by Certain actors But more so Actors like Robert England Whose story he kind of like was born Out of Shakespeare and classically trained and then he got this part as Freddy Krueger and much like Tony Todd yeah much like Tony Todd uh and it's just it's insane and like he's been in the horror genre probably perhaps one of the biggest horror icons ever and he's done other films and he's helped other filmmakers get their feet and it just seems like this would be a pretty cool documentary if yeah you've ever seen any nightmare on Elm street movie, let alone just a cool something on a uh, actor like this. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think it's a gold mine uh, opportunity um, because if you've ever been to a convention where Robert England's there, the dude likes to talk and he has a lot to say. And uh, so I think it's only appropriate that he gets his own uh, platform to kind of just uh, share his story and what's cool is that this documentary, which, you know, we, there's like two little teasers out there, but they don't necessarily, uh, provide like what the structure of the show could be, uh, you know, on the write up, uh, it just talks about that they have, they're bringing back a lot of the, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street cast, the alumni and, um, uh, other people that he's worked with over the years not just in nightmare on elm street but stuff like behind the mask of the rise of leslie vernon which we love on the show and um it probably probably other people that he's worked with i don't know maybe getting to like a star is born when he had like a, a the brawl with uh, uh chris uh, Christofferson in that movie um uh, so th- there's just uh it, it's it needs to happen like it but i you know i get I get apprehensive about stuff like this because I've expressed on this podcast before that I really, I mean, you want a documentary that's all encompassing, but is more than just like a glorified DVD extra. And there's a lot of those kind of documentaries out there where it's just like, you know, I I, I hate to say this, but like it's like people like suck in the subject's dick essentially. No, for sure. Um, So I I want it to be a little bit more. I don't know if we're going to get like maybe uh, some of the darker side to his life, uh, like him just being completely vulnerable or if it's just going to be like this is my success story. But I expect that it will be more of the latter, which is okay because I still – I mean, I I, I like the documentary Fear in the Dark and uh, and just hearing from subjects talking about uh, working in the horror genre. So uh, even if it's like exactly what you expect, uh, it still can be a fun experience. And especially I like to hear from these talents who uh, are gathering together for the first time uh, or at least being put on uh, film uh, outside of just going to convention centers where they can just like – just share uh, their experiences working with him and what it was like uh, being on set with him being in costume and, and then what, what, how their lives have changed since uh, being a part of uh, such a, working with such an icon at this point. So uh, yeah, it's like I said, goldmine opportunity and I'm sure it'll be great.
0: Yep. I, uh, I sure hope so. And we'll be updating you with that. Hopefully it gets a pretty cool release on streaming or elsewhere in a theater uh just because this is pretty cool and can't wait to hear about him and hopefully this kind of nudges him to like don the finger gloves one last time the finger knives like it would be cool yeah. to see like an older freddy sort of thing if he's aged in hell or something like that that would be fun so uh so there you go icon robert england story and our last bit of news Uh, Sounds really cool It's about a movie called The Pale Door And it is a horror western film And if you know me I love western films And this just sounds really cool The the plot line is uh, A gang of cowboys And a mysterious woman who seeks shelter In a seemingly uninhabited ghost town After a disastrous train robbery Uh Seeking help for their wounded leader They are surprised to stumble upon A welcoming brothel in the town square But soon discover that the town Is a home to a coven of witches And bloodthirsty wolves And Oh shit, that sounds Unbelievably fun Somebody said it's 310 to Yuma Meets the descent, but doused And then set on fire with psychological horror (laughs) (coughs) Uh that's what somebody said about this, like the story, the plot line, what they've read. And oh my, I, this, oh my gosh, I, I love Westerns. I love horror. And then now a Western horror. I'm in. Preston, what do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that sounds like the perfect amount of ridiculousness to just completely soak up. Um, I'm right there with you with being a fan of the Western genre and obviously a horror the horror genre, since we're here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on board for that. That sounds exciting.
0: I, I really want this to be good. There's nothing else out there about this. I don't think there's a trailer yet. I don't know, but... Um, I really, really cannot wait to. Yeah, it, watch this. it'll
1: it'll be better than Jonah Hex, I'm sure.
0: Correct, and uh, production is being fil- it's all being filmed in Oklahoma, interestingly enough. So uh, hopefully they have survived the past tornadoes and <laughs> yeah. storms, and if they might have gotten some they pretty added cool- it into the film. Yeah, that might be cool. You know, uh. So yes, we'll keep you. Keep you updated by The Pale Door, witches and werewolves and horror. Fantastic. Uh, before we get on to my bloody question, I believe we got a, a, an email from Scream Factory uh, very recently, as of today, and it looks like Scream Factory will be releasing the film This Island Earth on July 9th, 2019 on Blu-ray. And there is all new commentaries and interviews with people. So uh, it sounds kind of fun. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I've I've mentioned on here before that I just love covering their like older films. And uh, I haven't seen this. I haven't heard of it. But uh, it's definitely uh, up my alley for
0: sure. Cool, 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 cool. Screen Factory. There it is. Uh, is that it for news this week? I believe so. All right, that's it for news this I mean, week.
1: I mean next to the like, the Rambo the Last Blood trailer.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is so. not
1: exactly horror but uh it's y- bloody you know. and this is it's my blood. bloody podcast.
0: It's, it's yeah, I watched the, there's a new yeah, there's a new Rambo uh trailer and it looks like it may be the last one because the first movie was not called Rambo it was just called First Blood but this one is called Rambo Last Blood. And it looks like it looks awesome. Like the trailer is definitely good, and it looks like uh, Rambo might have been like overseas somewhere, but he's back home now. And then everybody that he pissed off overseas comes back to his like farmhouse and tries to kill him. And so he kind of home alones his house with crazy traps, and uh, tries to survive. It looks good. What do you think? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'll, I'll check it out. I don't know if it's gonna be you know. I feel like after John Wick 3 and the John Wick franchise I'm just like everything's going to look like uh what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie that came out and it was like a January release recently the the last something
0: Oh I don't also know. had last in the title. Uh it had Johnny Knoxville in it. Oh. That was okay so yes that was a few years ago and that was his comeback movie from being governor. Uh, the yeah. last sheriff or i can 't remember but yeah yeah
1: something something like that uh, i 'm sure there's somebody listening that 's like oh my god it 's this uh, but <laughs> it it just has it just looks like it could be a movie like on that level too i 'm sure it 's a little bit better, but um I guess what I'm trying to say here is after Mad Max and John wick three, nothing else matters.
0: <laughs> I, I disagree, man. What, so what he did with the Rambo, the last Rambo movie was excellent. And then what he did with Creed and Creed two. And if he brings that kind of essence to this role in this movie, yeah, oh, he's my a smart God.
1: guy. I think he, I think he could do it. Um, but, uh, I'm just not completely sold from this trailer yet. Uh, I was worried about Creed two because all these news stories that were coming out about, all these ridiculous directions he wanted to take it in. Um, And it seems like maybe somebody's there to be like, whoa, 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 Uh, don't, don't do that. Um, So maybe somebody did that for, for him in this, in this film. So um, yeah, not completely sold yet, but we'll see how uh, things pan out as either more trailers come out, more information and see the film.
0: There you go. Rambo, laugh blood. Uh, Let's move on to My Bloody Questions Where we ask each other A horror question, horror themed question And we bring it over to Reddit.com And we ask our fellow Redditors Our our friends That listen to the show online This question as well We We take the best Answers and replies, which are fun So in regards to covering Prom night and it being prom season Preston's my prom date, I love you uh, the question is this week, which character from a horror movie would you take to prom? It's that easy. Which horror, which horror movie character would you take to prom? Preston. <clears throat>
1: uh, I read through some of the comments on Reddit and they're pretty good and probably top everything, anything that I could come up with. But, uh, if I could just speak honestly, uh, I would take the character Zoe from Zombieverse. Uh, she's played by Courtney Palm. Uh, which I believe I mentioned on here before that she's a celebrity crush of mine. Um, but she also is like the the badass of the entire film. So uh, not only is she really, really ridiculously good looking, but she uh, could kick somebody's ass, probably mine most definitely. So I would take her to prom.
0: Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Who I would take to prom I'm sure Preston had a Was going through his mind Oh Jesus where are we going with this (laughs) Uh, So like I don't think I mean I would like to take A human centipede to prom Just would be fun Or Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs But that's not my real answer I, I thought about it But I think my actual prom date I would ask to prom would be Tiffany Valentine definitely for sure tiffany of course is chucky's bride in child's play uh i would take her that would be a fun wild night because she knows how to have fun she seems sweet and i would enjoy it uh yes tiffany valentine preston (laughs) excellent uh we would have a great double date wouldn't we oh yeah i think so blood would be flowing okay Let's move over to Reddit and read our fun Reddit answers. Uh, which character from a horror movie would you take to prom? Noodles92 said Carrie because her first one didn't go so well. We just we would just have a good time. And <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit, that's a great answer. Her first prom didn't go well, let's redo it and have, have a good time." It's a great answer. Thank you Noodles92. <laughs> uh, Clyde Frog, which fantastic name by the way Clyde Frog I love you Uh, if you don't know who Clyde Frog is that is Eric Cartman's pet frog or not pet frog stuffed uh, animal frog in South Park named Clyde Frog Erin from your next doesn't matter what happens I'm staying behind her the whole time uh, so I remember watching your next. I believe we all kind of got masks for that. And Aaron, of course, she survives. And I would want to stay behind her because she is badass. Correct? Oh yeah. Owen Migdol, uh Preston. He, this guy has your heart. Jaws mm. from Jaws <laughs> would be. How, his... how
1: would that? How would that work? How would that work?
0: I mean, I think you could you get prob- a fish tank. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You could get a fish tank, have the little fin sticking out of something. I don't know. You hold hands, dance? or you? Yeah, you can't. I don't know. Maybe you'll just get in the shark tank and have a little dance. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Wang Dingus said, "Trash from Return of the Living Dead." She seems nice and <laughs> fantastic because there's a couple answers on here that are trash from Return of the Living Dead. Linia Quigley. Of course, because she would get naked and dance in a graveyard and dance at prom naked. That sounds good. Thank you, Wang Dingus. Uh, Mad Dog Hoek said the female Cenobite from Hellraiser. And that's all types of cool, I think, right there. Because uh, I think if she didn't get her way, she'd literally kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Um. Fiji the Turtle said Billy Loomis. Scream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, There you go. Uh, Hell Raising Hill said That was going to be my answer too Ugh what a babe So there you go Bobby the Brain Heenan Oh my thank you for coming back here Bobby the Brain Heenan WWE Suzanne from Night of the Demons Or Trash from Return of the Living Dead So basically Lania Quigley So there you go thank you Bobby the Brain uh, Horny Snorlax I just love these names don't you Yep yeah. Horny Snorlax said the Xenomorph Queen Fuck it, we'll do it live (laughs) What Uh, does that mean? I I mean You're thinking the Xenomorph Queen Which is a gigantic alien From the Aliens movie And fuck it, we'll do it live I mean That of course is referencing Bill O'Reilly from Freaking Out On the Air (laughs) Fuck it, we'll do it live Oh my goodness, even my dog wants to uh, know know about that Hold on a second, hold on Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen uh, Dog went crazy, somebody was at the door It wasn't the Xenomorph Queen or Bill O'Reilly But yeah, fuck it, we'll do it live I uh, I love that, I love that Thank you, horny Snorlax Uh, EC comic fan says, I feel bad always giving the same answer to these kinds of questions, but I cannot. And I will not tell a lie. Violet from Friday the 13th, part five. And I'm just trying to remember Preston. I know you're big into Friday the 13th. You remember Violet from part five, Friday the 13th,
1: Friday the 13th five is like my least favorite one. So I've put that one way far back in my mind. So, uh, uh, yeah, all I can remember is uh, Tommy with the um, the masks, and so yeah, I, yeah, I do not recall who she is.
0: Oh, oh there you go, there you go. Uh, f- let's see. The White Cat 55 said needy from Jennifer's Body. She's cool, pretty, fun, and ends up with spoilers spoilers, demonic powers, but without the demonic drawbacks. That's pretty sweet. Plus she's a good girl and bad girl rolled into one. There you go. All right. And then the last one, Bob Rushy, said Lori from Freddy vs. Jason. Man, she looked hot. <laughs> yeah. But she was also annoying in the movie. <laughs> so you just kinda wanted her to meet her end. Uh but I love Freddy vs. Jason, we all do. But that was uh our bloody question. Which character from a horror movie would you take to prom? Let us know. Email us if you want to let us know. Mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. We would love to know what you thought. Which horror movie character would you take to prom? But moving on to my bloody recommendations where we suggest a horror film movie that might be old, vintage, or even new that you should check out. You might not have heard of it. We just wanted to let you know this movie exists and you should watch it. Preston, what is your bloody recommendation this week? So I
1: brought it up a couple times on the podcast, but uh, the season finale was uh, this week, and that is What We Do in the Shadows, uh, the TV series. Uh, I if, if you have not watched this show yet, It's it's time. Um, It's uh, you know, when it, when I first watched the the series, I was, I I, I was, I was, I wasn't sure about it just yet. I watched uh, the first episode and I was like, "Eh, I don't know. But then I saw it again at uh, South by Southwest and it got, it just became more hilarious to me. Um, I think if you are holding so ever tightly on to the 2014 film, um, just know that it's, it's not just as funny. Cause I think the movie like just had a lot of ideas and it just worked really well within that space. And this one being longer, like what can they really do with it? Um, and then a couple of weeks ago I talked about, um, that they, they're doing like cameos, fun cameos with, uh, Tilda Swinton popping up and, uh, uh, Paul Rubens show, uh, popping up as his character from Buffy and uh they even got uh Wesley Snipes doing like a, a call in from like a like a Skype cast kind of thing um so there, there's still a lot of room there for them to have fun. And uh, how the season concludes, which I'm not going to spoil here, um, I was wondering like what they were going to do with it. Because like each episode, you can kind of like watch them out of order and it would be fine. There's not a whole lot of connectivity there. Um, but it seems like with how things conclude with uh, the 10th episode, which is the season finale of the first season, which has a second season, uh, coming up next year. Um, that maybe it, things are going to get more intense. And so, uh, the tone could completely change. And so, um, I really loved how everything kind of wrapped up. I enjoy the characters a lot. I've enjoyed spending a lot of time with them and getting to know them. And, uh, growing to appreciate and love them just as much as the original cast. Uh, And uh, the original cast does show up uh, mid-season. So uh, there's, and Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clemens are are behind a lot of these episodes. They wrote and directed to them. Um, So, uh, and, and I think like probably like episode eight or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but one of them was like, there's like three episodes out of the entire first season that are just absolutely hilarious, must watch, and then the rest have like really good jokes and uh, sometimes they get, you know, like a what you expect out of like a first season of a TV show. Like sometimes things work, sometimes they don't, um, and they're not funny. Um, But uh, overall, I was pretty pleasantly surprised with how everything wrapped up and I'm excited to see where things go from here. So I will recommend it once again now that I've seen it in its entirety and it was uh, aired on FX and I believe you can watch it on FX now if you have access to that so you can catch up. Um, so, uh, and I'm sure it's going to release on DVD because I think FX, uh, they haven't been doing a lot of Blu-ray releases, uh, probably for fun reasons. And so I'm sure it'll find its way through a digital release and on DVD, um, in the coming months. So look out for that and watch what we do in the shadows, the TV series.
0: There you go, Preston. He loves this show. Do it. Yeah. I may not be
1: watching Into the Dark and all that, but I did finish that.
0: There you go, yes. Um, my bloody recommendation would be a perfect double feature for our main event today. Uh, the My bloody recommendation today for this week is Slaughter High from 1986, yeah. slasher film. Uh, If you have not heard of this Or haven't seen this in a long time You could probably find this online or in a store They recently released this As a collector's series On Vestron Video uh, On Blu-ray On Halloween a couple years ago So hopefully you can find it But Slaughter High uh, Super fun movie And doesn't get enough credit That it should Because it's actually quite insane And intense and gory and all sorts of fun stuff, Uh, and it was directed and produced and written by a bunch of people who did a lot of uh, exploitation films, like either slasher exploitation or black exploitation and stuff like that. So this movie in 1986, uh, originally it was called April Fool's Day, but... That same year, 1986, another studio was making a movie called April Fool's Day. And we haven't talked about that on here this yet, but it is so, it's a fantastic film. Um, so they changed it to Slaughter High, which makes more sense than April Fool's Day. But the movie, uh, kind of centers around a group of high school students. So basically it shows, uh, this high school outcast who, um, just all the kids kind of pick on and they kind of push it too far and this poor kid is doused with acid and it scars him and then you cut to ten years later and there's a high school reunion and then all these people uh start dying from a masked killer and the way they die is insane. Like stomachs explode from acid beer there are tractor blades there is somebody thrown in like a, a shit pool like like a, a cesspool and then there's people electrocuted while doing the nastiness uh it just it's insane and so of course you know like who's the killer you know you could probably figure it out uh but it's it's a it's a fun movie and it's like it's a revenge film and it's I don't know. There's something about this movie that I like. I just like the nostalgic feel of the 80s and taking place, you know, at a reunion in high school and people getting their due uh, sort of thing. And, yeah, Slaughter High. What, have you seen this, Preston? I have seen it, yeah. I
1: have the Vestron film. Yeah. Well, did you,
0: did you did you enjoy it? Did you, like, what do you think? Yeah. I, I like this yeah. movie.
1: No, I enjoy it too. I, I, I know some other friends who don't really like it. Um, but, uh, after a, I've seen a lot of shitty horror films, uh, lately, um, and I, uh, find myself going back to it. So I, yeah, I enjoy this one.
0: Good, good, good. I, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. So, uh, yeah, that is, um, that is our bloody recommendations this week. Uh, but on to our feature presentation, our main event of my bloody Podcast number 53 Prom Night 1980 It's a Canadian slasher film Directed by Paul Lynch Who uh, hasn't really done a whole lot He did the movie No Contest And uh, he did The Keeper But other than that He is kind of like into TV stuff Um, RoboCop
1: TV series?
0: (laughs) Yes, and Dark Shadows from 1991 and Xena Warrior Princess and stuff like that. Uh, But more importantly, the movie was, uh, the story was by Robert Galza Jr. Or Guza Jr., Robert Guza Jr. And if that name kind of rings a bell, it's because he was the head writer for the daytime soap opera General Hospital for Years and years and years and years and years. Uh, that's like his legacy is uh, General Hospital, but the guy wrote Prom Night. is super funny. And so Prom Night, I saw this a long-ass time ago. And, of course, it's, it's from 1980, and it stars like kind of a pretty good cast. It stars Leslie Nielsen, of course, from the Naked Gun movies. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, hot off the... Press from Halloween, uh and as long as well as a few other people. George Tulot not uh, George to Tulot. Anne Marie Martin. Yeah, Anne Marie Martin and um uh, <laughs> what's his name? Uh David Mucci, who we'll talk about later and what else he's yeah. been in, uh which is really I'm funny. Per-
1: it's funny. So you bring up that person. Uh I really thought that that is – plays uh, Bobby Boucher's dad, Roberto, in Waterboy.
0: (laughs) But that's not who it is though, is it?
1: (laughs) No. No, yeah. I'm
0: no. So David Mucci, that actor, you know what he was in? He was the horse cop in Half Baked. Like when – yeah uh, what's his name fed the horse and died and the cop came over to yell at him and arrest him that's him oh so funny we'll get to that in a second but this movie cost about a million dollars to make canada dollars uh back in 1980 1979 and it actually so interestingly enough cuz this movie's not great it's act- it's bad uh, but the movie made over fifteen million dollars, and there 's been three sequels to this film and a remake and You just kind of got like i mean America right there if you have a dream and a will and a little money to make it it 's going to be a franchise <laughs> um because there 's no way in hell this movie should have been uh, had yeah. sequels like because it 's really not that good, but it 's so good in a way. Where, holy shit, they just don't make this type of movie anymore with these types of characters because, holy shit, we're going to get into it. (laughs) I, I think I like it more than Preston just because I think my brain's just like, oh, shit. I mean, this movie, Prom Night, is full of complete surprises. Uh, in the characters and their actions and what happens, uh, because you're like okay,
1: surprisingly boring.
0: So I so I didn't think it was surprisingly boring, but I can see where Preston says that because the first kill doesn't happen until like an hour and like four minutes into the film, uh, minus you know kind of like the, the prequel. Intro. yeah. But like the first actual kill of the movie, it takes a good hour and four minutes to get to. <laughs> so uh, Preston you of course, I mean, we're talking about it today there must be some love for this movie you have on some level, right?
1: uh, I like the score, which we're gonna talk about in more length, but um no i uh this movie doesn't have many redeeming qualities to me um i i I like laugh about it like later now because the movie to me. Is like a filmmaker watch Halloween, Carrie, uh, let's see, uh, like Saturday Night Fever.
0: No, for (laughs) sure. There is a, there is a complete and total long extended dance, disco dance sequence. Yes. And like Jamie Lee Curtis is a badass doing it, but yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, but that's
1: a product of so, the time. So I guess I that that would be the redeeming quality. Just to, if you can like put yourself out of watching a horror movie, and you can enjoy just the sight of seeing Jamie Lee Curtis cut a little rug, uh, that can be fun. Even though the the sequence itself is like so long that my wife watched it with me, um, and it was so fun. I really enjoy watching horror movies with her, especially when they're not good, <laughs> because uh, she'll just be like. God, this dance sequence is going on forever, and then uh, when it comes to a kill scene, like uh, there's like one with the van, and it takes like 15 minutes for them to like actually for something to actually happen. It's just like a lot of suspense for nothing.
0: Yeah, and there's uh, so that that particular scene with the van that that character is unbelievably good, <laughs> and I wish there was more yeah, of him. He, he fought back, yeah, but it was with, like that that. It would never make sense in a movie, but it made sense in this in prom night, nineteen eighty. But we'll, we'll get to that scene yeah. for sure. Uh, so, your expectations after watching it again—you know, the last forty-eight hours—as opposed to when you first watched it or whatnot. Like, what do you, what do you think? Like, I—I I mean, I will watch this again, and I will watch this with friends. Like, it's such a fun movie. I think to watch, well, uh, you know, under the influence of alcohol or drugs
1: <laughs> well if you put it that way i feel like most stuff can be entertaining or you can make it entertaining but uh for, for me uh i do, i wouldn't recommend it to people um uh i love jamie lee curtis but it's just it really seems like they just like made things up as they went along and it reminded me of like a lot of uh the films that uh other students made when i was in high school for film class and uh like even myself i like shot this like really ridiculous chase sequence like around our studio and there's like a really long chase sequence in this where you know you're you're watching it and you're like behave like a human being would please would you don't be stupid and so it's just frustrating to watch it um and it doesn't have a lot of good style to it at all like even the death scenes themselves like there's like maybe like one or two decent ones and they would like they would be like secondary ones in like a really good horror film um and so and i just didn't find any of the characters really compelling and then like the whole reason of why they're even together after uh, the traumatic sequence that happens at the beginning, where they're taunting this young girl, uh, saying "kill, kill," the killer is gonna come get you, or whatever they say, and and then they this they they're just being fucking assholes. And then uh, back her to a window, she falls out the window, then dies, and uh, we cut to six years later, and then it's just like uh, everything's pretty kosher uh there's there's some tension here and there between some of the characters but uh the fact that a lot of these people even like hang out anymore after something like that it's just it, it baffles me
0: well that's what i want to bring up because you know if we go into the the story of the film the the opening 10 minutes of the movie is literally like the longest most played out game of hide and seek ever between like 5 or 6 10 11 year old kids and it's in an like,
1: abandoned
0: warehouse. Country. Yes. They go there and then Building. when these kids are playing hide and seek, a trio of other kids come along and yeah. one of the girls wants to go play. She goes in there and then all of a sudden for no reason these kids kind of like turn on her and like to play a joke, a prank on her and they just said kill her kill her kill her and she gets so scared she falls out of a two story window on the glass the glass cuts her she's dead and the all the kids kind of look at each other like yeah we got to go tell somebody and then of course the like kind of leader of this group this girl says like no they're going to put us all in jail we cannot say anything ever and then of course when they leave, you see kind of somebody looking over this, this little girl's body. And then you cut to six years later. All these kids are now like their senior year in high school. Um, and then you kind of get a sense of like who's who here. Um, so they're in high school and then you kind of realize what? Some of the kids uh, who were the brother or sister of the – person who died are like dating some of the bad kids like it's really weird and it's like not weird but like also interesting like how time has gone on and like who's dating who and so for like an hour you're kind of in the mix of these kids lives and like their home life it's like oh this person is still a dick and she drives a corvette and this person is nice But has this weird boyfriend, and then they get picked on in school by a guy literally who has one eyebrow. I don't get it, but it's really funny. (sighs) You don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it. Fuck, it's Elvis. Uh, And then, and then proms coming up, and the just like Carrie the bad kids want to throw a prank uh, to these people but instead of supernatural powers there is a serial killer slasher on the loose and the killing does not start until an hour in or most likely or evidently till the last like 15 minutes of the film so it's interesting to see who it is like who's the killer who who is it why is they why are they doing it and we we find out of interesting, course interesting huh <laughs> yes, it's interesting, but it's like I think it's still fun in a way because you get to see like Leslie Nielsen play kind of like a not a funny guy. Like I look at Leslie Nielsen, as like I'm waiting for something silly to happen. But here he's like the principal. I'm and waiting for
1: him to happen in general.
0: <laughs> yes, he
1: doesn't have a lot to do.
0: No, he's barely in the movie, but he's also the principal and the father of uh, the person who died at the beginning of the film. The kid that died at the beginning of the film. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting to see these characters because a lot of it, you know, like Halloween, you see Jamie Lee Curtis walking the high school halls, and she's fun, you know, whatever she's doing her thing with. Like it looks everybody like everybody looks thing.
1: like they're thirty.
0: Correct. Yes, that's forty. Is very true. Yes. The
1: teachers look like the students.
0: So it's 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 interesting, but I like I I take that as just like okay, I really I'm, feel
1: like you're forced in this interesting.
0: No, I I really like it. I think there's a way that, or like you know, back in the time, nineteen you know eighty, what time? Nineteen eighty. I just think that was because what I read was is that they didn't originally have Jamie Lee Curtis in this role. Yeah, uh, they had somebody from the Brady Bunch in this role, but Jamie Lee Curtis, like agent, was like, have her in it. You know, like, we don't want
1: Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs>
0: yes. So another great character in this film we got to talk about is the the kid who gets killed in the van that Preston mentioned. Earlier. Slick. Yeah, his name is Seymour Crane Slick. And this this character with a name like Slick, you you have he's like oh well, this guy's name is Slick, but no, this guy is like an overweight
1: uh, dude with a van who likes to just big, pick up chicks on their way to school.
0: Yeah, who has like big thick coke bottle glasses. He. Ch- He's in his van, he pulls up to a girl walking on the side of the street, and he, like, pops the curve because he can't drive. He's like, hey, <laughs> you want to yeah. get in my van? <laughs> oh, and it's, oh, it's so funny. And that scene, which was surprising to me because he's he gets out of the van after having sex with a girl... And he's he has to go to use the restroom. And this killer kind of jumps in and it just kind of goes on. He's like, you think he's going to get away. And the killer falls off the van by trying to hang on to it. Then he gets inside the van and he's fighting it off. And then all of a sudden, he basically slit kills himself because he drives off a cliff. And immediately when it, it immediately drives, blows up, it immediately blows up in a fireball once it hits the sand from like maybe a 15 foot drop. Uh, that was their production budget right there. (laughs) It just makes no sense, but it's so funny because you see that parodied in so many films, but here, like, they were taking themselves seriously, it seems like, and super fun, I thought. (laughs) You don't think so?
1: No, I do. I do enjoy that part. It was like it's movie within a movie kind of moment where it just does not really gel with a lot of the rest of the film. And so uh, I I can find some pleasure in that sequence. Just that brief little encounter, but because a lot of that build up to that moment of them having sex in the van and the camera is like moving around like Friday the 13th and it's just slowly going around the van. And then they show the same shot again. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same shot. Like that's right. That's how much padding they needed to really include in this because they just didn't have Everything like plotted out, it seemed. Well, I also.
0: They... Want... Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, no, oh, ahead. I wanted to talk about the, the camera techniques because it lo- seems like the filmmaker is really. Like because like almost every shot in this movie is is movement. Like there's a lot of really awkward shots from like down below looking up at people when they don't need to be, and then there's Looks even like, like yes, it's really <laughs> weird. And then of course there's also like off-screen narrations of some of the characters thinking out loud. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm
1: sure I'm sure that is them trying to like fix it a little, <laughs> um, doing it like oh man, we really don't have much here and it just i could just see like the first assembly being pretty bad and they're like well you know what they did a lot of people complain about with blade runner and having that narration and then they gut it and it ends up being a better film yeah we, we need to add that narration in there because this thing's got to uh, stick together a little bit better and uh yeah it's yeah uh yeah, it just it's, it's it, it doesn't work.
0: But like when you watch the film, it's like, well, these camera angles are just so and these camera movements, just like, wow, for this low budget, they really were like going and like maybe they were like At eye level shooting, and then like the filmmaker just like literally dropped to the floor and just like looked up with the camera and thought, Oh, this is much better. I'm
1: telling you, they figured it out (laughs) as they're going along. No, no planning is done.
0: Oh, but it's part of it. So once we hit the actual prom, everybody's dressed up, uh, is when our killer finally gets like his weapon for the rest of the movie, which is an axe. And uh, in the meantime, after Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, is crown- or about to be crowned or whatever, there is a seven-minute dance sequence of disco music because this movie was probably shot in 1979, so disco was kind of big then. And so there is a full-on disco moment where it almost looks like Staying Alive – where they're sweating and they're doing like the running man and maniac and it with the lights on the floor. Like it just seems so out of place, but they, they obviously took dance lessons for this.
1: Yeah. Cause yeah, it's like a little competition. It's like the, the moments that you'd get in, uh, uh, you know, dirty dancing like that. The, the quote unquote bitch of the film versus the, the, the good girl kind of moment um and uh yeah it, it it's completely out of place but you know it's prom and there's got to be some music in there and so uh i i guess we could transition into the soundtrack itself uh, which we uh received uh from uh mvd mvd audio yes. uh it's it's the the world premiere of the original score which includes a lot of the disco songs which is kind of surprising that because uh, i don't you know i i my familiarity with this film outside of just the name itself uh i i just i'm not sure and so i didn't know if like any of the tr- music existed out there at all because it, it seems like because when you listen to the soundtrack and the, 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 soundtracks like split up into sections, you got the score and you got the score that wasn't used in the film. And then you got the songs and there's about like, uh, about six, six songs in total, um, that, uh, are disco songs. And, uh, they're, they're pretty good for disco. And you would think that they would exist in a movie like Saturday Night Fever or staying alive. And, um, that and it's surprising that the score in the music of this is so exceptional and didn't like cause this movie to take off even more than it did um because it's i mean they're fun they're fun to listen to um and so i don't know how do you feel about like the the disco section the the all the the lyrics that uh that's included in the, well, the soundtrack.
0: It takes you back in time, I think, because, you know, this soundtrack, I don't think ever was going to come out, but I think there was a clamoring for it. So Carls Ritter and Paul Zaza really research and looked to... kind of come up with the original masters for the, all the music that was recorded for this 2019 release on CD. And I think it's cool how they split it up because the score alone is like that. I really like that this old timey, you know, score from like 1980, kind of like the super suspenseful one that doesn't seem super suspenseful like it tries to be. But back then it probably was, this is what all they knew and here listening to today it just there's a bit of nostalgia there and then with the disco into it and the words it's just you know like it's, I don't really like disco music like there's a couple songs that I love but on this track it's just fun to listen to uh you know because you can put your mind back like oh shit this was the weird part in the movie you know
1: yeah uh what's cool about it is um i feel like the score evolves Over over the course of like listening to it, uh, because the the first eight tracks are the the moment or the songs that are included, the actual score songs, score tracks uh, that are included in the film and then the next, uh, I don't know, like 10 or so are not in the film. Uh, but it's cool to listen to and just see, like, how, what might have been, like, what, because it sounds to me like uh, Mika Levy's uh, score for Jackie, uh, how there's a lot, of, a lot of strings in the beginning, and then they start in, adding, like, new instruments, like, uh, even more, like, sinister-sounding music, uh, like, even some of the, like, later tracks that are not even included in the film, like, there's, like, a noir kind of sound to it, like, there's, like, an a, incorporation of, uh, uh, like bongo drums, like a it just sounds like detective kind of stuff as like the, the undercurrent of, uh, the, this like on with the main track being like the strings and the, the violin, the cello and every, all those like kind of deep, uh, string sounds. Um, and, uh, and then of course you get to the disco music and it's just like so lively, like the lyrics aren't, uh, are pretty minimal. Like it's a lot of repetition and everything, but it's like that kind of repetition that makes like a lot of popular music today be so successful. Cause I make fun of it all the time when I listen to the radio and uh, like my wife would be like, I love this song. And i will be like, there's only like five lines in it. And, uh, but yet it they, they can be so catchy. And so uh, th- that's kind of like the, the case here. Like they just created the music that needed to be included for this film. Um, But it doesn't need to necessarily have an existence outside of uh, the film, like the Bee Gees, uh, like how they can play that on the radio. But it's so completely fitting that – and it feels so like natural to like the disco era that um, I – I just kind of think like, oh man, I've, I've heard this song before, but I haven't. Um, so, um, I don't know. There's a lot of detail put into the score and I and that, that ended up being like my favorite aspect of the film. Uh, poor soundtracks aren't like necessarily soundtracks that I like listen to. Uh, so I don't know if there's like a lot of people out there that would, uh, love to just, you know, spend a little bit of money, shell out some dough and buy this, uh, soundtrack and listen to it because, uh, I outside of like just imagining, uh, like rewatching the movie in my head or even some of these other tracks that aren't included, like they can inspire you to, I guess, write horror stuff or imagine, uh, horror moments uh that you create in your own head happening to this uh soundtrack so i guess it can it has a purpose for that reason if you enjoy the movie prom night and enjoy horror soundtracks then it's definitely worth the go and if you appreciate disco music it's got that layer on it so uh
0: yeah yeah it's uh i recommend this soundtrack too because you won't find it anywhere else and for those horror movie soundtrack aficionados out there this is This is one to have because, like Preston said, there's a lot of unreleased stuff, never heard for, never heard. Yeah, like more than
1: half of it is uh, unreleased stuff, like unreleased songs. Uh, There's like probably about six songs that uh, that have like actual lyrics in them that uh, weren't included in the movie, and uh, like more than uh, this the. There's like, yeah, like what I said, like eight songs in it that are actually in the movie. And then there's about 11 or so that are not in the movie. So it's cool that uh, they were able to make this happen. And uh, Paul and Paul Zaza and Carl uh, Zittrier were able to like unearth uh, the original masters and all, all the music that they recorded. that And ones that weren't used and were able to kind of put it all into this one uh, breezy uh, soundtrack and there's it's cool design too i'm I, I i know i talk talk about this because i'm a real sucker for design and um they uh it's it's you know it's not a vinyl or anything but it's a cd and they Uh, You can see that they put a lot of work into uh, making it like worthy of purchasing outside of just listening to music because there's like an original design work on the cover and on the inside on like the little flat that you get for CDs. Uh, There's uh, a discussion of the making of the score uh, called Dance Till You Die. And um, so there's there's a lot of cool
0: information in it.
1: Um, So, yeah, Yeah, if you're into that sort of stuff, it's uh, it's worth owning uh, more so than the movie to me.
0: Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I say if you like these old AD movies, I'd say I would recommend this one. It's even though it's bad, I also I just, I enjoy it. I'd watch it again. Maybe I'm just <laughs> want to punish myself. But yeah, the, definitely the soundtrack is great. So uh, yeah, I think that wraps up our 53rd episode, Prom Night, 1980 film. And of course, like we said, there are three other sequels. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss, Prom Night 4, Deliver Us from Evil, and then the remake of Prom Night in 2008. So, uh, yeah, I, I've i only seen Prom Night 2. I've never seen the third or the fourth one, but uh, we might cover that at a certain time later in our show Uh, no we won't
1: no we won't (laughs) it might be like 10 years later if we don't have anything to do um no no it's it's fine um i i'm i'm curious to see if they like evolve and are like completely different from this and or, or better i don't know um i don't know watching it just made me want to watch black christmas again which i think is like the ultimate kind of slasher film It's a great. at movie. least it makes the characters interesting and fun and uh the, the killer reveal is great in this one i'm just like eh um so but but then again you know i'm a younger person i'm talk. i'm speaking because i you know I, I i think i've seen the film before but it, it was brand new to me watching it a couple of nights ago for free on voodoo um so uh I, 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 that could be a disadvantage. Uh, and you know, you take that with you will, but, uh, I'm, you know, younger person coming into something that's existed longer than I have and was there for like the transition of horror. And, um, so I, I'm only speaking from like from a modern perspective and I can pick it apart for those reasons. And, um, and you can do that with a lot of like the older horror films, like things can change, uh, Uh, things change over time and things are are becoming better in a lot of ways with horror films and so um but uh yeah the soundtrack's good uh yeah you can look it up through uh mvd audio Uh, I, i don't remember the exact website uh i know that we when we get it we get like a web link that's like takes you to uh the products uh to like as if you're like a a company buying it for those reasons. But uh, if you Google search uh, Prom Night uh, original soundtrack, uh, I'm sure you can find it and purchase it.
0: There you go. Prom Night. Uh, that wraps up My Bloody Podcast, episode 53. We are on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. And we just love being here every week. We will be back next week with more bloody recommendations and bloody questions and child's play news for sure. sure. And uh, I'm Brian Kluger, of course. BoomstickComics.com and right writing all sorts of movie reviews, Blu-ray reviews, high-def gear, and fun Fun things going on uh, as well as wrestling. So there is Preston Barta on the internet as well. You can find and look at him all in glorious pictures. In the nude. In the (laughs) nude. Yes, where can they find you, good sir?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Preston Barta B-A-R-T-A. And you can find my writing on the in the Ditton Record Chronicle, DittonRC.com. And FreshFiction.TV, where I'm the features editor of Fresh Fiction. And so the latest thing I got up is Rocketman Review, uh, so you can check that out. And I'll have more stuff coming in the pipeline. And yeah, we'll go see uh, Jim Jarmusch's uh, new film tonight. So we'll have more to report
0: uh, soon. There you go. We'll be back. Thanks for listening. And we love you.